In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the celebration of All Saints in November is really just an Easter celebration that falls in autumn. At Easter, we celebrate the great reversal. We celebrate the reversal of the grip of death. We say and we proclaim and we believe that because Christ has risen, we know that we too will rise. With Christ, we have the assurance that we will be reunited with those who have died in the faith. Yes, Christ has gone first in the resurrection, but on the last day, we will follow. That is all of us, the whole communion of saints. You, me, those in the congregation, the Christians in the world who gather around God's word, and all of those who have gone before us in the faith. We proclaim that death has no final victory over us. All Saints Day continues to celebrate that great reversal of Easter. It acknowledges that though there is a strong wrong in this world, and that so often sin seems powerful in this world, All Saints Day and Easter acknowledge that God is still the ruler. This is why we get the Beatitudes in our gospel for this day. The Beatitudes show us that the world is not as it seems. Because in Christ, the world has been reversed. Christ says to us that in the kingdom of God, the people who are thriving are the poor, the hungry, the mourners, and the hated. But that's not who we celebrate in the world. Our heroes aren't the poor, the hungry, the mourners, and the hated. Our heroes are the strong, the powerful, and the athletic. Right? LeBron James is paid hundreds of millions of dollars not because he is hungry or because he mourns. He is paid and he's adored because he's strong and capable. Elon Musk hasn't become a household name because he is poor, but because he's innovative and rich. And to be clear, I'm not criticizing these people for their skills, but these people become the center of the world's adoration because they have what the world values. The world values money and luxury and convenience and having it all together and the world values achievement. And we so often project onto these people the idea that a perfect life is to be as successful as they are, right? that the whole world will make sense to us if we only had enough money, if we had the achievements that they did, if we were as athletic and strong and healthy as they were, then we would have it all. And we believe that we can be truly happy if we are only successful by the world's standards. Just look at what such and such famous person has achieved through their efforts. If we had that, how wonderful our life would be. But this is where Jesus pushes back. This is where he reverses the order of the world. Christ says that the life that is blessed doesn't come from worldly achievement. It doesn't come from riches. It's not from being fed with the finest food. Rather, the blessed life is in him. Christ says that you will find the blessed life among the poor, among the hungry, among mourners, and among the hated. And what's he getting at? Because many of us know that being poor, being hungry, are not enjoyable states. Grieving the loss of a loved one is not something we want to experience. We don't want to live lives where we are hated and persecuted and outcast. So let's be clear that Jesus is not telling us that these are states that we are to strive for. 
In this case, he's not telling us to go live in poverty, to stop eating, to deny ourselves everything. What he is telling us is that we will find spiritual flourishing among those who have learned to depend on nothing but God. That's the great reversal. Our spiritual happiness and our spiritual flourishing come when we are dependent on God. If we believe that money, fame, comfort, and luxury will make us happy people, then we'll find a life that falls short. It's in learning that we are entirely dependent on God that our salvation comes to us. Our reading from Daniel this morning illustrates this in a bit of a different way. Chapter 7 of Daniel is difficult, and it's kind of strange. If you've read the book of Revelation, you'll notice that it's similar in imagery to Revelation. Daniel has a disturbing dream in which four beasts arise from the sea. And so in his dream, the sea represents chaos, and it's likely that the four beasts that he sees represent the four earthly kingdoms that had dominated the people of Israel, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, and the Greeks. And throughout the centuries prior to Daniel being written, these are the kingdoms who forced the Israelites into exile. These are the people who destroyed the temple. These are the armies that massacred women and children. These were the government leaders that attempted to force God's people to worship false gods. These kingdoms seem to have all the power in the world. In the verses that are omitted from the lectionary reading, Daniel sees one like the Son of Man coming from the clouds. And the Son of Man, that is the Messiah, comes and vanquishes these beasts. The Messiah comes and is more powerful than all the kingdoms of the world. And then the Son of Man delivers an everlasting kingdom to the holy ones, that is the saints. To those who remained faithful, the Son of Man hands over his very own kingdom. That's the reversal. Those who had no power in the world, those who had been trampled upon by the kingdoms of the world, are now given as a gift the eternal kingdom. And verse 18 from Daniel 7 has that beautiful promise. But the holy ones of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, and ever. It reminds me of last week as we sang, A mighty fortress is our God, because it ends the same way. God's word forever shall abide, no thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom is ours forever. The kingdom comes to us, and it comes to us not through the worldly ways of power and success. The kingdom comes to us when we are dependent on God. That is to say, when we have faith. So as Christians, we hold dearly to the things which may seem weak in this world. We hold dearly to our dependence on God. We hold dearly not to the power and might of the rulers of this world, but we hold dearly to the power and might of God. And St. Paul tells us that the power and might of God are seen at the cross of Christ. And so we dearly hold to the cross of Christ in which the Son of God bears the sins of the whole world. As Christians, we say that's where true strength is found. And that's the reversal of the world. The origins of All Saints Day is a festival day 
were actually in the fourth century in Syria. And so All Saints Day was originally a celebration of all the martyrs of church history. It celebrated those who held on to their confession of faith even unto death. For the early church, these martyrs were the great heroes of the faith. It was said that their blood was the seed from which the church grew. These were the souls who showed that they were entirely dependent on God, up and against the power of an empire that tried to force them to worship idols. These martyrs gave up their lives because they trusted in God alone. And so the martyrs were embodiments of the great reversal that Christ has won for us through his death and resurrection. And the weakness of the martyrs and their dependence, they show us God's power. They revealed that their one and only hope was that God would raise them from the grave, and so they faced death with hope. For the one power that the world held against them was made weak. Their persecutors threatened to kill their bodies, and the martyrs held on because they were dependent on God and because they knew Christ had defeated death. And so likewise, this morning is a kind of Easter celebration. It's a celebration that the powers of the world are defeated. What remains for us is life in Christ. It's a time where we can confess that those who have gone before us, those who have died in the faith, are not gone, but they're celebrating with us. They celebrate because now they live in the blessed state in which they are truly and entirely dependent on God. They no longer have to contend with the false powers of this world because they know only the victory of Christ. As for all the saints, says, O oh, blessed communion, fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Yet all are one and three, for all are thine. Alleluia, alleluia. That's our confession this morning, that our true power is in Christ alone. And as we face grief, as we mourn, as we face the realities of death, we hold on to the one hope that we have. That is in Christ. That is his victory. Because in him, we are victorious. Alleluia. Amen.